Hell yeah, let's get people pumped. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. What up, Billy? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. It's nice, uh, nice, beautiful day out here. You can tell it's nice and sunny because my whole background is all washed out from the window. Enjoying the nice weather we have in New York for now. What's going on with you, Billy? It's nice and early over there. Oh, you got some good weather? Decent. It's supposed to like rain or snow for the next like four or five days or something. But today it's, it's nice out at least. Okay, hopefully it's like the last rain or snow you get on, on that end. Hopefully. The, the, the groundhog said that we're supposed to get spring early this year. So hopefully they're okay. correct. Chuck, good I old mean, Chuck. That's a reliable source as any. Yeah, I mean, same thing as the Farmer's Almanac, right? What is it? P- uh, Patonky Phil? What's the name? What's that? Uh, from Groundhog Day? He oh, had I, have name. No idea. I have no idea. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, well, let me adjust this. But um, yeah, welcome. Episode 142. Um, we had some uh, an array of episodes at Winter Clash, and we haven't had an episode since. We were very busy. We had um, bitter cold, and after bitter cold, I was like deathly ill for like a week. And I'm finally like, I'm at a place where I'm like 80, 85%, but I wasn't able to do anything, wasn't able to do uh, work. I was just sweating it out in my bed. Um, so everyone got sick at Winter Clash. Yeah, like a lot of people did get sick at Winter Clash. And um, I was like, oh, we got lucky and completely avoided that. And I had a feeling like you can't, you know, uh, avoid that twice at two big events that are like around the winter when people are going around, you're at the booth, you're talking to people, people are really close proximity. And uh, yeah, so um, to those who got sick during bitter cold, I did too. And now we're back though. <laughs> yeah, I got I got sick during uh, winter clash. I know a bunch of other people did too. I was like, as long as I'm okay for bitter cold, I'll be fine. And same thing, I was like in bed for like a week or like on the couch, but, and then, bitter cold came and I just like lost my voice from talking to so many people. It was like just these events, you just get so involved with everybody, everyone's you're catching up with all these people. And I just like, I'm not big of a talker despite having a podcast, but uh, yeah, I lost my voice like the first day. I was like, damn, I'm lucky this wasn't like a multi-day event. I wouldn't have been able to hang. Yeah, I'm going to start going to the events with like, forget forget like a mask, like an N95. I'm going to come with like a COVID gas mask, a uh, sweatsuit, like a spacesuit, like, <laughs> like et <laughs> like the guys from et yeah exactly <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna like talk and it's gonna have a screen under here where like words are gonna come out and i'm just gonna like nod and shake my head in like agreement or disagreement um it's worth wow. it though it's worth it though like i got sick sure but i regret nothing yeah um if you hear my wife in the background with random coughs she's also sick too she's gonna be like <laughs> i got her sick um so that was the cat and i, I the one. I thought that was the cat. <laughs> no, it wasn't the cat. That's my wife. Um, so, yes. Um, welcome. So I'm very excited to be back. Um, we are finally in California. We normally have pretty good weather, but we had like a really cold February. We had like a super rainy January. I heard. And now we're finally starting to get, which is weird to say in California because we normally have it, but we're finally starting to get some good weather. And uh, yeah. It's cool. So happy to be back. Been able to skate a little bit after being sick. It. and That was nice. I like the clips. Thank you. Thanks. True front torque still. Yeah. True front torque. Ooh. Yeah. I, I brought it back. I, w- I was skating flat the other day and I was like, you know what? I'm, my friend switched to Ante and he was just sliding all over town at the skate park. No wheel bite. No. <laughs> like that sound, the mouse at like yeah. the, wheel, the, the flat <laughs> spot. I think some people like that sound. You know what I mean? But historically, I never really... 
um, heard it because I was like an anti skater for like a lot, most of my skating. So that could be um, a trend in the future. The squeak somehow becomes popular. Who knows? Yeah. For me, I like, I personally never like, uh, was like, Oh, I like that because I, like, I didn't experience it being an anti, uh, rock yeah. skater for most of my life. But, um, I was like, dang, he, he's just sliding and I don't hear any squeaking. That sounds fun. So <laughs> set up a nice like little ante setup and it's been cool. Been having fun lately. I did the opposite. I, I, when I did my uh, blank review, I wrote, I, I, saw that. I, wrote them, I wrote them stock. I want to write them stock and they come anti-rocker stock. And I'm like, oh, this is my opportunity to do all these things that we had the discussion about. Try anti-rocker. And I hated it so much. I couldn't roll I, I fell more times rolling on the ground because i couldn't turn like i used to i would just like trip pretty much over my feet i'm like yeah. oh, i'm happy to go back to flat so it just shows the dynamic right here about the pros and cons of flat and anti-rocker that we're both so different and we both love the complete opposite yeah you're riding like big flat too like most of the time lately right um like i, like I, I yeah. saw you at a faber the other day those are like big wheel flat right yeah those are 84s 84. Um, I, I love how like you were able to just adapt to that after like years of skating anti and just like really took to it really well. It's cool to see. It's so fun. I actually have, I made a video about that, that I'm going to post in the jump street, uh, YouTube page next week. So check that out. Crazy, uh, segue right there. <laughs> That's what's up. Hell yeah. Um, what do we got? Oh, so man, it's been a while at the winter clash. I didn't, I didn't do the spiel at the winter clash. We, yeah, don't we have had to no do time. So we have a time limit. So it's been a, it's been a while since I've done the spiel, but please, if you don't already follow us on all of our social media platforms, we have an Instagram, you could follow, we have a Facebook, you can give us a like, we have a YouTube page, you can hit the subscribe button and the notification bell. If you like what you're hearing, you can leave a comment, you can share it. We find it very helpful. We have an iTunes, you can listen to us at work, uh, just audio and if you like what you're hearing, you can give us a five-star rating. You could also give us a review. We find that very helpful and it helps boost us to the top of the algorithm. And we also have a Patreon. You can be a Patreon for as little as $3 a month. And when you become a Patreon, you have access to all of our exclusive content, trick tips, which are called uh, Inside Outs. We have three pieces. We have section reviews with some of our guests. Uh, sometimes when they come on, we watch their old sections and we go through some commentary and go through some memories that they had experience during the time of filming and you get to ask uh, questions ahead of time. If you have questions for future guests, you got to jump on it. Uh, people, you know, who you, you know, who's coming on the podcast before everyone else does. And you get to put forth a question. We ask your question on the show and you are automatically entered to win something from, from our online store every month. It's a random drawing every month and you could win a five panel hat. You could win a tank top. Summer's coming up. You could win a shirt. You could win a mug. And all that so good stuff that, on the store, right? That's there. our online store right there. If you're joining us and that's what we got going on. Good spiel, Billy, considering it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while, but you guys, it's been you, a guys while. <laughs> you guys killed me this week with these names um, for our new Patreon supporters. I'm going to try my best right here. I want to give a Kill shout out to our new Patreon supporters. Phenomena skate team, Dale Delves, Jeremy Swartwout, Lucky Lopez, Tone Doe, LM Zirhan, Leon Hazen, Justin Jones, Ellie Legate, and Caleb Bell. Thank you all so much for supporting us on our Patreon. Um, I just put up a video the other day also just talking about the pros and cons of sponsorship on our Patreon. It was a pretty good popular video on the Patreon, so check that out if you haven't already. And like Billy said, every month we do a giveaway for all our Patreon supporters where you get to win one of whatever you want from our online store. Let me pull up 
the wheel real quick. Where's my thingy? Screen share. Where is it? Oh, here we go. Boom. There's the wheel with everyone's name in there. We're going to click and spin it for someone to win one of whatever they want from our online store. And the winner this month is... Oh, Joseph Scanella. <laughs> the homie Joey Scanella. Congrats, Joey. We're going to hit you up. I could just text you and see what you want from our online store. But hell yeah, thank you for supporting. Thank you for supporting everybody. And um, yeah, let's move it on to our WTF this week. We have a WTF brought to us by Patreon supporter Chad. Oh, I know the name. I can't pronounce. <laughs> Chad Vignel. I don't know if that's wrong or right, but we have Shelly Berla killing it with this really cool, really steezy slide to some sort of alley topsail. What are these called now? Because this is like the trend now also, like the corner of the ledge where it meets the floor. Is there an I don't know. I don't think I'm in the position to uh, to name this, Like, but it's, I like it. I, 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 like, I really like a lot of that stuff. People seem like they're just having a lot of fun playing with some of these ideas at the skate park lately. So yeah, yeah. I, like, I love that. And uh, in the new basement video, Zephyr 4, um, they go in on this shit too. Like the, the toe slides on the corner where the ground meets the ledge and the heel slides and stuff. So it's really cool seeing that. It's like a new way to explore a ledge. Like you don't got to skate the top no more. You skate the floor now. <laughs> no, yeah. Like the that, that Zephyr 4 thing is... Out of control and um, Elfie with whispers or wispies, I think is yeah, his Instagram Mike, name. I forget his Michael last Kraft. name. Michael yes, Kraft. Yes, there you go. Michael Kraft. Mm -hmm. There you go. So, somebody... Yeah, man. He... Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> he, 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 he's all over town with that kind of stuff. Um, you know, just like ripping up like uh, skate parks, like trying all these different things. It's, it's cool to see a lot of those ideas like being played out um, in that way. Yeah, he, Michael Krabs is one of my favorite skaters to watch right now. I remember at uh, at Bitter Cold, he was skating, and somebody came up to me, and he was they were like, you know this kid? And he showed me on Instagram, and I'm like, yeah. He goes, we just watched that in person live, and he was killing it, doing some shit at the skate park. <laughs> <laughs> and they were so hyped to see him skate live in person, which is really cool. Oh, because he's cool. not he wasn't somebody who was like winning the comp or whatever, like one of the big names you would think of when you think of Bitter Cold, and people were just so hyped to watch him skate in person. So I don't know if he knows that or watches this uh, podcast, but if you do, Michael, uh, you have a lot of big fans out there. Me. Yeah, it's, it, it's awesome to see a lot of that stuff. Uh, and, and you know, hopefully in the in, in the summer, we'll see some of that, him take some of that stuff to the streets. Like that, that's, that'll be really cool to see like where that goes. Cause it's like right now, it's just like ideas developing inside the skate park. Yeah. But it's, it's, I, I want to see like that, like what that application would look like on street. It's, I'm, I'm really interested to see how far like a lot of those new ideas that he's bringing can go. Yeah. That'll definitely fit in with the, the new, new basement video that's coming out, whatever it's called. Um, before we move it on with our special guest, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor for this episode, Blank. If you were at the Bitter Cold Showdown, you were able to check out the Blank skates in person if you haven't seen them already. But the Blank team skate in Pigeon Blue is out now, available in U.S. sizes 6 to 12 and a half uh, with a full shell size per full and a half size. So the sizing on these skates fits awesome. I've been riding them for a while now, and I absolutely love them. Um, they also have the hydrogen 60 millimeter wheels that come on the skates for sale now. They weren't available before. So definitely check them out. Available now worldwide at your favorite skate shop. Blank, thank you for sponsoring this video. 
Apparently, I'm seeing in the group chat that they're called uh, glides. Just straight up glides? Glides. I mean, it's good. <laughs> it's a sensible name. I like so, it. So then what would we call what Shelly did? Alib Topsol Glide? Uh, like what Royal says to Alib Topsol Glide? Okay, Sound we're gonna have to look. At, I'm, I'm just reading this out of the group chat. I don't, I don't know. Like, so we're gonna we're gonna have to check with uh, some some people and, and figure out what it is. But <laughs> well, well, we'll we'll consult a few people uh, afterwards and figure it out. But should we move it on with our guest now? Do we have anything else to, to talk about, Billy? No, I'm actually really excited to have our guest on. For those who don't know, um, Daniel Kinney, our our special guest, has he's brought like one of the most one of the most popular events, one of the largest events in rollerblading history. He did it for over a decade. He brought it back after not having done it for a decade. Uh, was it this past weekend or the weekend prior? And it was, yeah, it was really something amazing to see. It was like a going back in a time machine. So I'm excited to have him on. I'm excited to go through these things. And yeah, I'm ready for our guest. Let's get on, everyone. Welcome, Mr. Daniel Kinney. Hey, guys. What up, Daniel? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. I did not get sick somehow from bitter cold after all the hugs and all the talking. I don't I don't know how I escaped it. I always That's I usually up. always got sick. I did not. <laughs> yeah, the hometown awesome. advantage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm also coming from California, so I'm dealing with like uh, I'm not like my body's not used to dealing with the cold in the yeah. same way anymore. And I don't know, maybe you have a, a high vitamin C diet. I don't know, hopefully something like that, but good for you. That's I mean, awesome. the dust in the skate park and everything just doesn't help either. It's, you know, it's a, it's a hard environment to get out of alive. Definitely. <laughs> but um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, yeah, of course. To, to those who know, uh, or to those who don't know, Daniel Kinney has been running, uh, was running the bitter cold for over a decade, I believe. Uh, 13 bitter colds before it stopped and then it was a 10-year break and then it was one more time which was for me it was like going in a time machine to 10 years ago it just like it was all the same faces all the familiar faces uh the same skate park that the same skate park that um was uh that you had like the last few events at and uh it was really cool to experience that I guess we can start off with, I want to get into like you starting the first contest or running the first one that you did in 2000. But before that, I would like to talk about maybe your introduction to skating in general. How did you get started? Oh, yeah. I, and that's, that's crazy to think about. Um, neighbor, very early, Arlo, Senate, Halo, X Games, Ringer T. Uh, you know, that was, you know, that, that little moment on TV, uh, you know, it was the same generation where everyone was picking up a skateboard and it just did not skateboarding just did not click with me. Um, so to see the alternative, um, and then, you know, eventually just getting, you know, what were they, the, the rollerblade retro skates or rec skates and, you know, setting up part of a, uh, scaffolding in my grandparents driveway and that first kind of front side that first time you slide like uh you know that that's that that hit that uh you know it still gives and you know it never leaves you um you know and that that's really where it started um and then just kind of grew out from there just kind of being uh you know midwest kid um you know skating skate parks in the winter 
straight in the summer, expanding, you know, going to Chicago, going to Michigan and all that sort of thing. That's really kind of, uh, you know, where it started with me. That's cool. Um, I know a lot of people from the Midwest had like uh, hockey roots because of just like yeah. how much like the hockey scene is like strong up in uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I was wondering if that was like a, a part of your experience as well. No, not at all. It was, it was, you know, get on some skates, learn to skate, find a five stair, you know, that you can skate and just, you know, kind of go from there. Um, you know, it's it, it, later in life. I, you know, once I kind of was stopping to jump huge gaps and just all the stupid stuff that you're trying when you're first starting out, I realized how poor of an actual rollerblader I was. So, you know, kind of transitioning that into the skate park, um, and really being able to skate so much better was kind of something that you end up learning kind of later and afterwards where I, I would have loved that hockey experience to kind of, uh, you know, rip into the early days when my body was so much more forgiving um, on skates. That would, have been, that would have been a ton of fun. I look back on that too. The same thing. I'm like, I wish I was able, I learned proper skating a little better back in the day too. Yeah. I know hockey is a huge help for that too, because you're going really fast. You're carving really fast. And we've talked about it on the show before too, with any Canadian guests that we've had on, they all have hockey backgrounds and they're all so good at actually skating. And it translates yeah. over so well to aggressive. A lot of people skip that stage. And most of us, I guess did who didn't have a hockey background, especially in like the nineties, we just saw people yeah. jump it on like a curb or a bench or whatever. We just wanted to throw ourselves at it and do that. Take the wheels out of our rec blades and, and just send it. I mean, even something it, it, it's nerdy. And of course we can talk about bitter cold, but even something as technical as like a uh, fakey shoulder, you know, like, mm. you know, that's something you have to practice in hockey and be disciplined at so, to play defense. So like, you know, you'll have your, you know, your normal shoulder, but, you know, if I approach a quarter pipe with my fake shoulder, like my other shoulder, it feels like I'm in like a foreign land. It's so bizarre. <laughs> it's such like a, a simple thing that a lot of people learn. But that, you know, that's one of the kind of nuances to everything that just drives me crazy. <laughs> no, definitely. Like if you don't have like that traditional uh, training from like hockey or even like if you didn't grow up like skating skate parks, like you're more of like a street skater, then uh, a lot of people like neglected to learn that very fundamental aspect of skating that'll help grow your skating and uh, open up your trick vocabulary in that way. So I can completely relate to that because I was yeah. like growing up skating street for years before I even tried to do anything along those lines. Oh yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, so when you started the first bitter cold, you were quite young. Um, yeah. So how old were you and what was the motivation behind starting this first event? And did you think it would grow to be as big as what it was, or if you were going to get any pros from in general to come by, like where did, where did the motivation come from? Yeah. I, th th that's all like really, really good questions. And, you know, if, there, if there's anything that I'd love to communicate, you know, today, it's that, it, you know, how unqualified, how, much of a nobody how like you know there there really wasn't anything special about i mean there's really not so much special about me now but going into that first event it was it was nothing more than just kind of an enthusiasm for rollerblading and wanting to give something back and wanting to do something um you know it was at a time where um x games was waning imyta had just gone off um the the winter before um, Backrack had done a street contest in Chicago. Um, so it was just that, that 
changing of the tide where we were doing so many, it was almost DIY contests. We were doing so much stuff on our own and taking back, um, you know, our culture from, you know, the corporate, the, the, the presentation on ESPN and that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, I was just a 16 year old little, uh, you know, Midwest kid that, you know, wanted to show the video I made and wanted to have a contest after, and then was like, Oh, Hey, you guys sponsored the video. Why don't you come have a trade show? Um, and yeah, just the way it kind of all coalesced, um, was, was really kind of magical. Uh, I, I mean the first, um, you know, I, I talked about it recently and kind of reminiscing, kind of promoting the event again, but, um, yeah, we were setting up a trade show. I had to run some errands. Um, came back and kind of opened the garage door to the, the back room of the skate park. And I was like, holy shit, there's like 200 people here. Like, what the heck is going on? You know, I was just expecting, you know, small group of friends, uh, you know, maybe a couple dozen people, um, you know, and it ended up being a couple hundred in the skate park um, for the very first event. Uh, and it, it was unreal. And then, you know, I think it, I, I was so happy that um, Ben Weiss took me up on the offer, um, came out to Bitter Cold, uh, you know, took a bow, put his skates on because, you know, his performance in those early events is what really, um, you know, solidified the lore and everything that surrounded the event. I mean, the, the moment in the first event, um, I've talked about it, you know, so many times, it's like a fairy tale or a legend or some shit like that. Um, it was literally just kind of this, you know, support staircase coming down off the, uh, off the back of the vert ramp, um, wobbly two by four, 45 degree angle. He started skating that the park owner's wife just went ape shit. She like couldn't handle it. She didn't want him doing it. Walked out in the middle of all these kids, started screaming at him to get down, just yelling at him. And he proceeded to like 270 soul and then fakey three kind grind this thing. Everybody just lost their goddamn mind. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that was that lightning in a bottle moment that I think just solidified the event moving forward. And, you know, from my perspective, and I think the thing that I was able to contribute to that is just, you know, working at it, taking notes, figuring out what worked, um, you know, pushing, promoting, doing all I could um, to help continue to help grow, to do better, to, to, to make it something more than just kind of a one-off event. Um, you know, and I think that's really kind of where my contribution to the whole kind of cycle came in. Um, but really, you know, like I had said from the beginning, there wasn't, I didn't start with a lot of pull or a lot of money or any sort of factors like that, that gave me a leg up. Um, I was, you know, ultimately I was just the one willing to do the work and do it year after year after year after year after year after year <laughs> for 13 years. Um, and that, that was really kind of what separated the event and really kind of built it to what, um, you know, people see today and what they revisited, you know, two weeks ago. Um, that's an awesome answer, by the way. Thank There's you. There's a lot um, going on here with this. There's <laughs> a lot like, I have yeah, so where much you want to jump back in. I was saying I have so much to talk about, and then like ten other things popped up. Continue though, Billy. I just wanted to. No, uh, well, I was gonna say like it, it's cool to have success in, in in your first event in such a way. Um, yeah. I 
I might be mistaken here, but was Stockwell was also in attendance at the first one or was that the second one? Jeff Stockwell? Third. Third one. Oh, my first, gosh. First pros yeah. that showed up. Because um, uh, Daily Bread took notice after the first one. I think I think right. or somebody was at the first one. Um, and they included us on the Monsters of Roll tour as an amateur event the second year. Um, so, uh, Richard and Mike Leaf came out. That was our first pro attendees, um, the second year. Um, and then the third year, um, it got, you know, you know Stockwell came out. Um, there was quite a few more people that came out. I, it, I think Stockwell came out, you know, he was associated with 616 at the time. Vanderbaugh, um, had sponsored him and supported him. I'm not sure if Vanderbaugh flew him out, but you know, that was one of the connections there. Mm, that makes sense. That's right. Uh, yeah, I remember seeing that uh, in Daily Bread, like the Daily Bread coverage and being like, what is this? That was my first time uh, being exposed to the event. And just like looking back in time, uh, when things get like over like that long ago, like, you know, in the 15, 20 years ago range, I have an issue like distinguishing. Was that 2003 I saw that in Daily Bread or was that yeah. 2001 I saw that in Daily Bread? OK, so that was the, the third event there. And yeah. I remember that's kind of the one that started getting uh, – and it's cool to have Ben Ben Weiss as an early supporter, but it was cool yeah. to see like Jeff Stockwell went out to so, such a big thing for someone from California to fly out to the Midwest in the middle of the winter. Yeah. You know, yeah. people who no, normally don't experience winter flying out for this event called Bitter Cold and being such a big part of it. Mm -hmm. And I really think that that was uh, while Ben Weiss was like obviously a huge catalyst. And I feel like that and like the daily bread coverage, Jeff going out and the daily bread coverage was something that like helped uh, contribute to the snowballing of the event for, for the future. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, mem I remember then you two were, I, I mean, Billy specifically, but then, you know, Oh, four, that was a whole nother just tidal wave shift of, you know, moving that closer um, to the East coast to New York. That just, I, I mean, that just, that, that changed everything. Uh, you know, it seemed like everybody from New York loaded up in like a dozen minivans and just showed up. And that was insane. Was that the start of the Vertigo years? Yeah, that was the first yeah. Vertigo year. In yeah, I, I, and that I want to really took it. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the evolution of of Bitter Cold, too, because you started yeah. in 2001 at what skate park was that, by the way? It was it was Blindside Sports. It was in Elkhart, Indiana. Um, and I, I think one of the things, uh, you know, to consider at that point was that they would only let us do the event on a Sunday um, because for whatever reason, they closed the skate park on Sunday because of Jesus or I, I have no <laughs> idea, uh, which is also the dumbest thing in the world to close your skate park on a weekend. But anyway, so that allowed us to just kind of ha have the event on that day. Um, and then that's kind of where we were doing the very dumb street stuff on Saturday for a little bit. Um, cause everybody was in town for the weekend. So it was something for us to do. Um, and you know, very dramatic, very unorganized, very hard, uh, to do a, uh, street event, uh, in the winter, in the snow, um, dumb, but, uh, you know, it resulted in some really kind of cool moments and cool footage. But then, um, yeah, when we moved to Vertigo in Boardman, Ohio in 04, um yeah we the event was on a saturday that really was where i think things really kind of started to solidify quite a bit more 
Did you? I completely. I'm sorry, Austin. I, right. I, I was gonna say I completely forgot about the the street aspect of it in, in, in the earlier yeah. ones. Wow, those edits were wild. I'd kind of like to forget because it was so fucking stupid to do that. <laughs> it, was. Like, it makes no sense. Yeah, I tried finding um the. It wasn't like a Life Plus or something like that, wasn't it? That it was an edit that showed, and I remember watching it, being so confused. I'm like. I don't get what's going on here. Is this a street contest? Is this a park contest? People are skating street. They have gloves on and hats and all this shit. And they're set sliding ice patches in the ground because it's so damn cold. And I was so confused by that. And I wanted to ask if there was any street aspect to it. But I guess it was just because people weren't in town on a Saturday to just to do something. Yeah. So, I mean, there was loose like street event. You know, it it was never, you know, as structured as anything like that. And again, you know, in 03, Ben did some crazy stuff. Um, Tim, Ad- Tim Adams showed up, you know, we've, we hit this rail and, you know, it's it, just those crazy moments that, you know, if you're, if you're not really, you know, trying something, pushing something, you know, there, there's so much more to it than just kind of the magic of it. But, you know, when you're at these locations and it just kind of starts to snow and you're like, holy crap. And, you know, it's those moments that the, it's those real life moments that you can get um, from organizing an event, from having an event, from hosting an event, from going to an event, um, that you just, you can't find in any other kind of place inside the role letting community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree about that too. And then, so you, we were talking about, you moved it to Vertigo in Bourbon, Ohio. Um, what was the reason for the transition besides being able to have it on like a Saturday? Was there anything else? Because when I remember, when I think about Bitter Cold, I still think about Vertigo. I guess the first thing that pops into my head. To me, those are like the quote, we all talk about the quote glory days. Like those were some of the glory days for me. Like those road trips, being a teenager driving out to Vertigo in Ohio. Um, it had Steel Valley Meltdown, a little spin off to Bitter Cold. Those are the days that I personally remember. So those events were massive. What was the reason for moving it to a different skate park? Because it moved again a few times after that too. Yeah. So really, you know, kind of the main reasons for all of our moves, um, except one was the closing of the skate park. So Blindside and Elkhart was closing. So, um, you know, and that, that was one of the things too that separated um, Bitter Cold from Hoedown, from Barn Burner, um, from even Super Hick. I mean, Super Hick went at a few different locations, but, um, you know, that was one of the things that separated us and gave us a chance for more longevity is that we weren't beholden to one skate park. Um, so when blindside closed, we, we found vertigo and we moved to vertigo. And then when vertigo was closing, um, we did the one year at the flow in Columbus before ultimately settling down, um, at modern in Detroit. Yeah. The flow was that bike park. The big one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of, in hindsight, um, they uh, they rented out the space that we used for the trade show the year after we did it there. Um, and, you know, for whatever, in my head, I was like, oh, my God, we don't have enough room. And in hindsight, we had all the, that, that was the biggest space for a skate park I've ever been in in my entire life at the Flow. That place was just massive. Um, and in hindsight, we did have plenty of space to, you know, do a trade show elsewhere in the park. I don't know why we did that, but, you know, finding a home at uh, modern was really, you know, great. And we really lucked out with all the locations that we, you know, ever went to because they were all great facilities, great hosts. Um, and, you know, had 
the type of obstacles, the type of things that were very, very appealing to this type of contest too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When, when I think about um, your story and the bitter cold thing, it's like really like if you build it, they will come kind of thing. And, you know, just keep on putting the years in because you went from starting something and wanting to have it be done locally to it growing to this world-class thing where it was a thing you couldn't miss. Like, you know, you think about CJ Wellsmore coming from Australia to these events, like, you know, Soichiro and like all these people from like around the world, like Alex, Bro like the best of the best, Alex Broskow, Chris Haffey, and like the, the most premier names in rollerblading. Did you, did you envision that when you first started? Did you have a plan to, we're going to do this annually? Or was like the first one like, hey, we're just th throwing this one-off thing. We're going to see how it goes. And then it just like kept on feeling like a commitment or how did that end up uh, transpiring? Yeah, I, I mean, if you, if you would have told 16-year-old me that this is what it would have turned to, I would have never believed you. Like it total, not in any realm of possibility of, you know, where I thought it would go. Um, like I had mentioned, it was really just kind of, yeah, like, you know, the, that, that, those, those Midwest companies, the Midwest, um, contacts and people I had skated with, I just kind of wanted to bring them together. Um, and really, you know, from there, um, I think it, you know, it was a combination of, we have the success, like, let's see what I can do with it. And then, um, you know, once. I really kind of got my head wrapped around what I was able to wield and what I was able to do with it and the good and the positive that I was able to do with it. Um, it was just, it was work. It was relentless. Um, and, you know, I think that that's one of the things that came back uh, doing it again this year is that um, it's just a constant thought process for me of like, you know, what if this happens? What if this happens? Um, can we do this better? Should I do this? Uh, that, that just is really very consuming for me. And, you know, kind of one of the main reasons that it's just not something that I can continue doing yearly, um, because I care so much about it and I want it to be such a special thing. It's been such a special thing. Um, so it, it was really that kind of combination of, of just taking what I found, what I did and just pushing it as far as I possibly could with all the work that I could muster and put into it. What was there ever a moment? Because uh, I'm I'm thinking back to the 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 vertigos, and it was like you know you look at like how it's run at Modern, and like wow, it's like a really well oiled machine. Like especially toward the end there, and this past year that happened. Yeah. Was there ever a moment at Vertigo where you're like? I've created a monster. What have I done? Because sometimes <laughs> looking back, it was really out of control. There was like, you know, you think Ryan ball and, and, and beer section and just like, this is kind of before, I mean, uh, there weren't as many, like, fortunately now we have like much more females participating in rollerblading. We have more of that settling energy, but it was just like at the time looking back, it was just like this, uh, skate park filled with crazy young kids like super high testosterone screaming beers and and was there a moment like oh wow like you know i i created a monster what have i done yeah i mean it, it, it there were definitely a lot of those moments uh you know the 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 ransacking of freaking red roof hotels yes both in indiana and ohio jesus christ oh we got I banned I, I think 
Did we get banned from like the whole town? Wasn't that? No, something? no. I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't know for sure because I always tried to distance myself from that. Like, I never like checked into the hotels and was like, "Hey, nice to meet you." I brought all these, you know, underage testosterone-ridden, you know, males into your hotel. That's not, you know, something I went around doing or checked in with them after. Like, oh, are we good? Um, good move. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. I mean, the 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 energy, and I think. For me, I think, it, you know, it went hand in hand is like it was out of control, but that energy and that enthusiasm is what fueled the event and what pushed it forward. So, you know, I, I think um, just the way that, you know, I kind of organize things, push things, kind of categorize things, um, give that energy an outlet, it, you know, it, it was the fuel for the event. Um, I mean, I, I remember you know, the first event at Vertigo, um, I didn't have a car then. So I kind of had to rely on rides to get there. And I was like late on Friday, which, you know, is the most anxiety inducing thing that can happen in my life is being late for something. Um, but yeah, I showed up there and it was already, you know, packed. The owner was like furious with me because I invited everybody and then like was showing up late. But, um, you know, we were able to pull it together and, you know, got on top of everything. And it was a great event. Obviously, we hosted it years later. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 I can't, you know, it's part of the event you can't really disown because it's it's what fueled it and what's what made it what it was, was just all that chaotic energy of us, you know, getting our licenses, getting in a car, traveling and getting all together. It, it was just, it was mayhem. It was so fitting for the time, I think, because that's yeah. how it, it translated perfectly to how people skated back then too. Like we were yeah. wild and reckless. Hammers oh. were like the biggest thing. Everyone was trying to one up each other, dropping off roofs, drop rails, killing ourselves. And that was just like so fitting that event for the time. Cause I remember going to other events too, like uh super Hicks and, hoedowns and stuff and they got like a little wild too but i feel like bitter Cold was always the craziest one i don't know what changed from going to from texas to atlanta to ohio or wherever detroit but it got way crazier at bitter Cold than anywhere else well i mean i think the skate parks had a lot to do with that i mean in hindsight vertigo was a fairly mellow park um you know they had that big gigantic start section that was just kink rails start box you know, a little bit of a drop ledge um, that, you know, it was a very technical contest then. And then uh, at the flow, you know, that we really didn't build much there. That was just a huge park to begin with. So that really just kind of lent itself to the skating then. And then, you know, several conversations that I had with people, uh, you know, over this recent week weekend was, Again, the very, very dumb stuff that we built at Modern that I have, I, you know, still looking back, like, why did people skate that stuff? Like putting a giant rainbow rail over, you know, just hanging. That was insane. Well, 13 feet in the air over two quarter yeah. pipes. I don't know why everybody was like, oh, cool. A place to hang my t-shirt. Okay. Let's have the rest of the con like contest. Like, I don't know why we did that and I don't know why everybody <laughs> skated it, but like it was insane. Like the, the type of tricks that are done on the, the stupid stuff that we built still just blows my mind. And, you know, it was a, it was a very purposeful decision this year to not, you know, not retread any of that. 
the park had already kind of defined itself in some new um, portions that were much more technical, much more mellow, much more fun um, and enjoyable to skate for everybody. Um, so we just kind of leaned into that a little bit more. Yeah, I was curious about yeah. that for my bad, Billy. I was just say I was curious about that for this year when it was going to happen. I was like, skating changed a lot in the last ten years since the last bitter cold. So I'm like, are there going to be these ten foot sub boxes over quarter pipes? Is there going to be a rainbow rail hanging from the roof? I do like <laughs> that the rainbow rail still is at the skate park. It's just oh, yeah. in a much safer area. But yeah. I think yeah, I agree with you that this year's uh, obstacles were a lot more tasteful and a lot more with the times too. Because yeah. if there was that big sub box or big rainbow rail, I don't think it would have gotten as much attention as it would have gotten 10, 12 years ago. Well, I mean, I mean, hell, even the, the one thing that we built that was a little less attainable, that large kink rail kind of in the, you know, in the back section, kind of in between where we kind of set everybody up and where the quarter pipes were, you know, I, I partly because the crowd, but partly, you know, that, that just wasn't something that people wanted to skate, you know, it, it was a little bit off the center of attention. Um, and it was quite a bit more difficult than it looked too. Um, you know, it started really mellow, but you had to be right on top of it towards the end, or you were going to be kind of flying off one way or the other. And it wasn't going to be all that, uh, enjoyable for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think those obstacles from back in the era were, or they're all those crazy obstacles. They were just like, definitely, uh, reminiscent of the time in the era of skating where people were just trying to go bigger and bigger and bigger and yeah. uh what you what you did at this event was much more reflective of what's kind of happening now like using using your brain being technical not having to be like extremely burly don't get me wrong no disrespect to those who want to get burly there's still room out there and, and oh, i yeah. still enjoy to watch that but i think it's um it was a more mature version of all that. And I think the event kind of ended up going in that same direction as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it was, it, it was very reflective in the way everybody skated. It was, you know, just, you know, just like I had hoped, you know, taking advantage of the existing obstacles. And then of course, just having a lot of fun with those little tweaks and little additions that we had added. I mean, of course the, the kink rail and the kink box that are there, the, those are, staples and the, the, those were part of their newer remodel and have been there for a couple of years already so most of the stuff that was there was kind of already established um we just kind of you know did our own little touches here and there yeah yeah it's awesome to see that that park is still able to sustain was still there after like those events like and was you know skate parks open and close all the time and especially something like of that size like how do you keep something that size going and uh, it was refreshing to see that like after like the last event 10 years ago, that modern was still there, still thriving and still able to host such events. So uh, that, yeah, that was a really amazing thing to see. Well, not, um, not just the park too, the shop too. The shop is doing great. You know, they had a, their whole, their full blade wall out for the event, um, which is great. You know, that George is always, you know, since he started in, you know, the skate shop business has always been a huge proponent of rollerblading. So, you know, he always goes above and beyond to kind of show his support that, you know, it's not just a skateboard park where they support rollerblading too. Like he's been there from the very beginning. Um, so that's always really nice to see too. And, and, and that's really, you know, the few things that came together that even made an encore possible was modern skate park. You know, I would have never even considered doing it again if we could have done it. Yeah, right. I can totally see that. Yeah, a lot of people have all those memories. Part of the nostalgia, I think, was going back to modern as well. It's a familiar face to everybody. Yeah. 
Uh, going back to the Vertigo days, I have to ask about this. There's so much to talk about with you. <laughs> but I have to ask about the less popular Steel Valley Meltdown, yeah. which was like the summer version of Bitter yeah. Cold, if I'm not mistaken, at, at, at yeah. uh, Vertigo back when it was Ohio. Um, what happened with that? That only lasted like a year or two, right? Uh, so, well, technically there were... so. Um, it was right around the time of RFCC, um, whatever the hell that stand, rollerblade from, you know, the, the, <laughs> the, the touring mechanism of, I think it was Sunshine's touring mechanism, um, that, uh, yeah, I'm not, not really sure, but so the park owner on his own did kind of an RFCC tour shop and tour stop in 05. Um, and then, you know, named it Steel Valley Meltdown and kind of an homage to Bitter Cold. Um, and then, you know, we got together, put our heads together and was like, hey, let's do it for real in 06. Um, and did that. And, you know, just to kind of see, um, because, you know, in, in the world of rollerblading, everybody thinks they have the best idea in the world. Um, and the idea that was pitched to the owner was like, oh, do it in the summer. You'll have so many more people show up. No, <laughs> that's, not, that's not how it works. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was our shot at like, oh, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll try it in the summer. Um, you know, maybe people can kind of coalesce and enjoy outdoor activities more, go to skate parks around the area, be part of a tour that you're not just kind of inside the whole time. But um, but not, not at all. You know, it, there was some good skating. Um, you know, I, that was one of the more, uh, insane performances by Colin Kelso at a contest. He, you know, he just ripped that park. Um, JC was there, uh, you know, it was a good event. It was fun, but yeah, it was, it was not the same energy, not the, the same attendance, um, as a bitter cold. Mm -hmm. it, it makes sense. Like, um, when you, th you know, in the in, in the summer, people are like skating the street more frequently, and in the winter, there's like nowhere to go, especially people in the north and like northeast, and so they're, um, yeah, I, I, it makes sense. But I, it, the, the sentiment it also makes sense as well. But uh, that that's why the bitter colds were so big because people were kind of just locked up in their houses for so long, not able to skate, or when they did skate, they'd be freezing cold and trying to stay warm, and this was just bringing like such a different energy. So that, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, um, that was one of the, the the magical times of the date too. Is it's it in the Midwest? It's that you're, you're getting you're getting so antsy at that point, and like spring feels so close. You're not really in that hibernating mode anytime anymore. That you just like want to get out and you want to do something. So mm -hmm. you know, I think that's part of you know the energy that the contest has harnessed for all those years. Yeah, we could definitely appreciate that being from the Northeast where especially if you don't have a skate park by you or anything like that. There's like no skating going on until bitter cold happens. Yeah. Um, Billy, do you remember the steel Valley? I know everyone has their stories about all these events. You remember going to steel Valley one year? Oh yeah. Do you know, do you know what I'm going to say <laughs> about Franco's no. car? We, we, we drove in Franco's car. We crammed like oh, 10 of us God. to be unique days, like Chris Courtney, probably Alex Rommel and Franco's, dashboard didn't work so we didn't know how much gas we had in the car we ran out of gas in the middle of nowhere on the highway in the middle of like ohio and there was nothing around you literally look around there's nothing around we weren't close to any civilization it was 100 degrees and billy you from what i remember you and courtney brown put your skates on and you skated down the highway off the exit ramp and you just went left or right and you picked a direction and went to a town to get gas do you don't remember that 
I, I 100% remember yeah, that. That, yeah, was, that was insane. I, I know everyone has the crazy stories. That just came to my mind when I thought about Steel Valley Meltdown. And, uh, well, that's and also, so Franco's injury as well. Yeah, that was a different Yeah, one. that's what I was going to say. That, yeah. that would have been the same year that Franco... Oh God! I don't know if that was the same year, but yeah, that Franco did have that epic injury where he smashed his face, and yeah, I, I didn't want to go that dark, but well, you know, I mean, he's just—he's a ray of sunshine now. Just seeing after seeing the injury and then seeing him now, it, I just—he makes me smile every time I see him now. That his face is fine because that was, yeah, that was one of the more terrible injuries I've seen. Kind of first time, I was right there with a the camera too. Yeah. So it was like, ah, oh, Jesus Christ. I think I have your footage still from that. Did you film it like a VX? Was that you? Yeah. I still have all that raw footage still. You must have sent it to me for some reason. I still have all that. Um, nice. I don't I, I don't revisit that ever, but I do still have it. And it seems like that is, I never started a contest. You both have um, held contests of your own. And that seems like such a, a burden or like something that like if someone gets really hurt, like, it's just like my responsibility this is my fault that this happened like do you ever feel that when you have these events because anything could happen in skating yeah i i mean part of it is you know it's a live event so you really just have to kind of give it up to the circumstances that you know that that there's a possibility for that happening um you know there was that and then there was a there was a you know i think that same steel valley you know we might have had two separate injuries that the ambulance had to come um, because there was another really bad ankle injury that we had at vertigo as well. That actually, that might've been a bitter cold um, where the ambulance had to come and kind of take him out. Um, but really, I, I mean, the, the fortunate part that I, I think if that happened today, the entire tone and the mood of the skate park would just shift monumentally. Um, but, you know, we were young and stupid enough at that point that it, you were able to maintain the energy. Everybody knew he was going to be okay. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty sure we stopped the contest after Franco's injury. Um, but but nothing else, you know. It, the the reason the reason that I always joke for no backflips at Modern was because when we would do qualifications and all the young kids would come out, it was just backflip after backflip after hitting their head on the ramp after just falling and just face. It was it was too much too trying too hard um and you know just a lot of you know kind of minor head injuries at that point they were typically wearing a helmet but um yeah it's 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 something you have to kind of be weary of but just kind of leave it up to the rollerblading gods at the same time was that a real thing with the backflips like did you really did you really say no backflips i I don't remember people doing backflips like that yeah, no, we, we, I mean, there's even, there's even language in Modern's uh, waiver that you cannot go inverted <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, especially with the launch box and everything is, it was, I, I don't, I don't know where it came from. I don't know why that was the go-to, but, you know, at the beginning of every round, someone would just fucking chuck it um, and not have the legs to land it. And it was, it was it was carnage and it was hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it got me to thinking, um, and it kind of goes back to like you, like building like these really big obstacles. Yeah. Um, I, I remember you helped me with uh, some of the events I was throwing in New York, the New York city street invitational. And uh, around the third one, we had like a really bad injury. And a part of that was due to like the fact that 
we kept on around that era just building bigger and bigger obstacles and like having it be gnarlier and gnarlier and then that manifesting into like turning into an injury um i know i had like uh, feelings of, of of guilt for a while but did, did did you did you experience any of those feelings like if you know you're throwing an event you're hosting an event if if anything happened not just an injury but if mm-hmm. anything kind of went like off the board was there like a feeling of guilt or was it just like oh you know that's part of it that's how it goes yeah, I mean, I, I'm Franco. Franco's was tough, um, but you know, part of that too was connected to, um, you know, he was pushing himself on something that had kind of already existed in the skate park. I think where that would have really came up to me is if 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 somebody, you know, if any of those like you know the big black wall that we built for 2010 or that you know that really large like we were talking about the rainbow structure that we yeah. did in 12. I think if somebody would have just brutalize themselves on that that would have been like you know the same the same feeling that you're kind of talking about is like oh shit we got to dial it back pull the plug on that that was too far um luckily that really you know kind of never came to being um that you know uh, all the injuries that happened um you know took place within stuff that you know had been in the skate park or been existing for years um, you know, it doesn't take away from it because you're still putting people in an environment where they feel like they need to keep pushing and keep pushing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's just part of kind of what goes with it. And, you know, I, yeah. I, I feel lucky enough that, you know, the list of injuries that I can talk about that have happened, you know, I can fit on one hand that, it, you know, it's not more substantial or longer than that. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I, I agree. I can see that all, like all being yeah, that, that's that's all part of it. And like you said, like uh, mine with with Fabio, and then and your yeah, like yours probably with Franco. Like granted, like you didn't build the obstacle, but th- there's like a sense of responsibility and guilt there. I think at, at times. Um, so yeah, I was just wondering with that. But that that guy, um, my bad, Billy. Real quick, that that no no Frank, that Franco injury. If you want to see the light and everything. Franco made it to MTV because that got some exposure for rollerblading. Oh, <laughs> if you want, yeah. like, he was on Scarred when that was like a thing. That I'll might see. be why you have the footage <laughs> like, because I sent it to you because you were coalescing it together to send yeah. to get Franco paid. I forgot about that, but yes, Franco did get paid for that. And um, but that's also probably why a lot of these events like Blading Cup have the smaller obstacles because they're way more friendly, less injuries more likely to happen. So I mean, people got to look at it that way too. People have killed themselves at events or almost literally killed themselves at events. So when you don't dumb the, the obstacles down a little bit, like Blading Cup, it's a lot more friendly, le- way less injuries, way less chance for people to get seriously injured. So that's yeah. definitely a plus in that aspect. Yeah. The scarred or whatever, that was the GoFundMe for injuries before. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. <laughs> that, 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 that's a good way to look at it. That's How do we yeah. make something positive? How do we get this guy paid from this? <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's so funny. MTV scar. <laughs> oh my god, I love that. Um, so yeah, it went to uh, it went through a few different stages. It ended up, I think, ended up finding at the end modern as its home, uh, to where like a, a lot of those epic memories uh, from bitter cold ended up coming. And that's when I think it was at its peak. That's when it became like an event that like you could not miss. Even mm-hmm. though the Vertigo had like a very nostalgic time, it was not when you still had like a lot of, you know, Eric Bailey had some epic moments there. And like a lot of like the best skaters came and participated in that. But the one at Modern was like cannot miss moment. Um, 
there was a point when obviously did you feel like when it was coming to an end or your last one was it you know we all get older we transition to other parts of life contests take a lot it takes a lot of work yeah. and often there's not the reward uh financially for the work that gets put in you don't often see that it's often a labor of love it's often yeah. for the passion at least in my experience um right. so was there when you were getting it to modern and it was getting to that era was there a point where you were thinking how how long does this last before you made the decision to end like wh how did that start manifesting yeah i i mean that, i think that's you know it, it in in some ways there's a lot of complicated factors that go into it but in other ways it's actually a lot simpler than that um you know like you were talking about there was you know the the event was still gaining momentum when it was a vertigo it was the great moment you know in 06 with bailey you know that 360 sweat stance that was kind of one of those that was just heard around the world um and then 07 was the jesus christ the battle between aragon and Haffy in the final round just going at it um that really kind of elevated everything and then 08 just took things to a whole nother level because you know, the momentum for Vertigo carried over to a, this huge facility. So, you know, the, the tricks at the flow, you know, Roscoe's 540, Haffy's just massive three soul where he kind of came off the kicker down to it. You know, the, the photography and everything from that, let alone like Frankie's huge 540 and all the stuff that, you know, was done in that park, um, you know, just carried momentum over into modern. Um, and then, you know, oh nine things just hit a whole nother level. And then we put in bleachers in 10 and that was everything for me. Uh, you know, the, the 2010 event, um, you know, putting in the bleachers, oh, Jesus, it may, it, I, I, I feel like I'm going to black out just talking about it, but, you know, directing a television pilot while organizing the event at the same time to kind of mm -hmm. get everything captured, just looking back, I don't know what the hell I was thinking. Like I, I wasn't on hard drugs. I should have been, I don't know <laughs> where all the energy came from, but you know, that was just me just pushing and pushing and pushing um, and seeing how much we could do. And, uh, like you said, I think everything that coalesced in that finals and everything that we captured for that pilot, so Ichiro, Shima, uh, Aragon, Haffy, Sizemore, uh, Montre, everybody just, and Broscow too, Jesus. Like the, the, the people in that finals, it just, it was, it was beyond anything I ever could have imagined. Capturing it. Uh, and Bellino, duh, he's the one that got carried off. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, just capturing that, uh, being, not only doing the event, but then presenting it in a way afterwards, um, you know, getting such a positive response to it, so many views, being taken seriously by ESPN. I think, you know, in, in it's it's weird to say, but in some ways that was the beginning of the end. Because for me at that point, there was so little left to do that would be more than that. Um, and that really kind of started to sink in um, in 11 and 12. Um, you know, not only, you know, because of everything that happened in 10, but also 
that also coalesced with, you know, a recession, a lot of stuff kind of going by the wayside and blading, a lot of companies going out, a lot of other factors kind of going into it. Um, but that's, that's really what happened. And that's really what sunk in for me was, you know, it was something I was so proud of and still so proud of so much work went into it. Um, and to kind of just string that along and have that be something of a shadow of itself. Once those thoughts kind of started to articulate in my head, I just, I, I, I couldn't go on with it. Um, you know, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't just stretch it out further than, you know, was available to me. You know, I, I completely, um, you know, I, I did, I, I did my research for this podcast and it completely slipped my mind that you were able to get bitter cold on, on TV. Well, I mean, that was, you know, it was a secondary thing. Legitimately, the, the entire purpose of the pilot was, hey, what if we had that conversation? You know, it's so funny because we're, we're like full circle already. You know, the whole reason we were doing the first event was like, fuck X Games. And, you know, 10 years later, we're doing a pilot be like, hey, do you want us back in the X Games? Hmm. You know, that, that type of thing. And the really the entire intention of it was to just, I had no intention, you know, it, it would have been a, awesome if somebody bought that and was like, Hey, we'll order six episodes. You can do one for each major WRS event at the time, you know, do a similar broadcast for winter clash, barn burner, the other events that were taking place. Um, it would have been great. And it would have been a dream come true, but really the reality of the situation was, you know, we, we never really knew that was um, attainable. It was more just a conversation starter to see where corporate sponsorship could come from, um, you know, opening avenues outside of just talking. You know, we put in the work, let's see what we can do with it and let's see where it goes. Because, you know, for me, um, over the course of everything, my entire life, you know, talk is very, very, very cheap. Um, and the only way that I've been able to make anything happen, make anything manifest, even if it's indirect, is just putting in a metric fuck ton of work into it. Um, and that was my way of doing that. Um, and it was, we you know, had conversations with ESPN um, and that sort of thing, you know, nothing really manifested and ended up just kind of dumping it off to a cable provider that kind of put it in circulation in a bunch of different areas. but. But yeah, I mean, there was there was really um, the 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 secondary goal of that was really kind of more the primary is to just see if there was a market out there and if we if, if it was attainable, um, which, you know, as we've kind of seen over even the past decade, 15 years, um, presenting rollerblading like that on TV comes and spits and starts. Blading Cup did it, but, you know, it's not something that you can establish and have the money to do a a tour in a series and, you know, six, 12 episodes or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really tough, but being able to, to do that is just really, really special because like, there's a lot of these things like we have, and you know, I know, you know, we were part of those meetings at modern back in the day, those RFCC <laughs> meetings where we're sitting in the room and they have the industry leaders and we're trying to figure out where does it go? How do we, how do we make blading come back again? Yeah. was like the whole like talk and, um, yeah. It's just cool to see that through like an organic and slow process, mm -hmm. a lot of these ideas were able to manifest and 
and and go somewhere you know i mean i know that was huge i remember being at i'm not sure if it was i don't think it was bar bar but i think it was like one of those like maybe, maybe even a wild wings nearby or so i can't think of it off the top of my head but being at the event like at a place to eat after the event and seeing it on tv with like our friends and how how cool that was for us you know like a lot of us were so like invested into the the blading culture and and still are and to see like that happen was it was it was really cool for for you to be able to bring that to like a lot of the people and the skaters mm-hmm. well and i mean the one thing you know we we talked about it earlier and you know if i can you know if i can preach anything it's that you know that that didn't happen because of a great conversation or like a great idea or like like you had said in the you know the wrs meetings it wasn't like I have an idea and it just happened and everything was peachy and rollerblading was, was saved. It was because um, me and the other people that were, you know, wanted to work on that were willing to put in the work and really willing to go above and beyond any sort of singular idea or anything like that and just make something happen. Um, and, you know, that's, you know, really where it came from. And, you know, like I mentioned, that's, you know, anything good that I've gotten you know, from rollerblading to starting my own company, it's, it's just, it's putting in that work. Um, and you know, that's, that's really what I would try to emphasize and kind of share with anybody that's watching. Yeah. There was a lot of work that got put into that TV pilot for anyone who hasn't seen it, by the way, I have it linked in the video description, this YouTube video, go check out afterwards. The, the pilot was it 2011 or 2010? 2010. I mean, I don't think we released it until 11. I I think we even premiered it the next year. Um, yeah. because yeah, it was a lot of editing, you know, Mickey and Arlo commentating, you know, it, you know, a lot we could have learned from it and looking back, there's a lot we could have done better, but also looking back, it's like, how the shit did we even accomplish that in the first place? Um, cause like I said, the event and doing that at the same time, it, it, it was just insane. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look like you guys slacked at all. Cause it came out so official it looks legit it looks like it's straight off of espn or like tv something like that so you guys did an awesome job with that did you guys yeah. like ever lose any money on these events i know john lost money when he did the tv thing for blading cup i know yo-yo with winter clash has was this the first year that winter clash was not in debt from like 2010 or something like that also um which is crazy to hear but you know that shows how much love that you guys put into these events because you're doing all this for the love of it not only for the love of it but sometimes it costs you money as well and it's a financial yeah. burden have you guys experienced that at all or no no wow congratulations for that I mean, you can do it right, guys. You can do it right. Yeah. I I mean, I I think part of the connection was that, (laughs) that, um, you know, it it was really, you know, we weren't renting the park in the early days of the park. So it literally was the skate park was just opening up and, you know, taking all that money. And it was very beneficial to Blindside, very beneficial to Vertigo. We didn't completely take on. Uh, the full finances of the event until 2008. Um, and, and I mean, really, you could say, you know, the, the previous years before that, you know, it was for the love because, you know, I'd be like, hey, I did the event. Can I have $500? I'd be like, sure. Hmm. Which, you know, as soon as I found out in 2008 was pennies on what we were actually making as far as the event goes. Um, but you know, I, it was at a time where like, yeah, I, I just wanted to make it happen. It really, the money was really never that important. Um, but then, yeah, the, the, the 
the attendees, the trade show um, were really, and never mind, you know, there were some years where we had up to 250 competitors. Um, all of those combined um, really always kept us in the green. Um, you know, looking back, like I said, 250 competitors, there were some trade shows where we had, you know, almost 30 companies. And it's like, looking back on some of those lists, it's like, try to name 30 companies right now. Like, I don't even know where they all came from. Uh, like it was just, it was so much support in so many different ways, um, that we were really kind of all always able to stay in the green. Um, whether it be smart decisions, luck, maybe we didn't take a big enough risk, but, um, yeah, I, even this year I was really happy. Um, cause yeah, we spent a lot on travel and accommodations for, you know, CJ, Roscoe, Cadeau, and bringing them back, bringing them in. Um, and we were still, you know, able to stay in the green for it. That's awesome to hear. It's like amazing the sacrifices that we make as skaters to all these years trying to get skating back in the mainstream with all these things. And I mean, to hear that you aren't in debt, at least from it, is amazing. Yeah. Too. So I just remember too that Winter Clash, Yo Yo, they try to do something similar but in a different way where they put it in an arena and they try advertising it to all the local media and everything and try to have just open to the public more rather than just a closed skating event um mm -hmm. so that's pretty much what you guys try doing as well just to get it out in the public i guess if it ever does happen again it'll just happen naturally on its own i think yeah. as just a community we kind of almost gave up on that um yeah. for now at yeah. least well and even kind of doing the event again i think there needs there would need to be some larger outside driving force to really kind of, you know, take things to another level to manifest something different, larger, um, you know, even at this sort of scale, I, I you know, I think um, long term, it would need, you know, more significant investment from within the industry um, to really set up a core uh, to make things happen so that an event of this size wasn't so horrifically dependent on uh, how many people register, how many people get in the door and that sort of thing, because there are advantages to the event, um, to the industry, to our culture, to everything as a whole that makes them very valuable that they shouldn't necessarily be entirely dependent on the person that's organizing it and putting it together, um, you know, I would love if there was some sort of mechanism that would make that investment um, outside of the, uh, the the singular transactions of the people coming in the door or are participating in the event. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, thank you for answering all these questions and going so far in depth on all this stuff. This yeah. is really interesting stuff. Um, yeah. I have a few more questions and I'm sure Austin has some too before we open it up to guests um yeah is there any person that you look and say they never came to bitter cold i really wish they had do you have anyone on the <laughs> list good, like that that's a good question two two okay Sagona and Ladder. Mm. wow D dominic never attended no dominic so has weird. dominic has i remember billy i remember me you and Sagona talking on top of the box one year. It was the same year as the pilot, I think, with the A-frame. You sure that he never been there? In 10? I remember specifically 
me. I mean, he might have just been walking around being like super yeah, cool. Probably like, not competed. Scared. Probably not competed. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like 99% sure that me, Billy, and Dominic. I remember a conversation we had on top of one of the ramps um, about yeah. how cool a specific trick would look on that A frame that yeah. <laughs> that we were talking about. But Latimer. Yeah, is, that's, I mean that's that's entirely possible, and that sounds like something. But yeah, you know, just yeah. I, I mean, Latimer is an obvious one. Um, right. Just you know because he's Dustin Latimer, but then yeah, Sagona for me, just the, you know, seeing him kind of do any of his stuff around the entire park would have been a treat, but yeah. And th there was discussions of, you know, him and Richard and Martino coming out, but it, that didn't manifest. So I was, I was bummed to not see him because I would have begged, pleaded, paid, cheated, did whatever I could to get him on the course. So mm -hmm. that, that's a good one oh, too. That would have been nice. Those are good eras too of like Latimer skating also during that time too, where he was doing all the crazy shit. Um, yeah. I guess skating very similar to Dominic as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so on on the last event in in 2013, and I want to get to uh, what made you want to bring back this new event, what pushed you to do that. But but before that, uh, at the 2013 event, while it's happening, while it's occurring. In your head, are you like, there's not going to be one next year? Did you know? Was it was it yeah. premeditated? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I you know I I I think about that, and you know it it's it, uh, you know I think it was shortly after the 2012 event. I was shoveling my driveway, and I realized I only wanted to do one more. Um, you know, it's just kind of one of those that just it clicks, and then you're like, yeah, that's not going away. That's happening. Um, and you know, part of me just feels like a massive dickhead for like, you know, putting everybody through that last event and then kind of telling everyone afterwards. But, you know, the other half of me, like, there's just absolutely no other way I could have done that. I could not have made the announcement beforehand and made it through the event. You know, all those conversations, the continuous, like, oh, just keep doing it for the love or anything like, like I, 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 maybe it would have been better and maybe it wouldn't have been as bad that I was kind of manifesting in my head. But, you know, to me, that was just the only way I knew how to do it. And part of it was that I didn't want everyone to experience the event as if it was the last event. I wanted everyone to just experience the event and then end it afterwards. Um, you know, is, is it entirely my say to make that choice for everybody? You know, like I said, call me a dickhead if you want. Very, very warranted. Um, but, you know, that was just the way, you know, I decided to do it and the way I kind of felt I had to do it. I'm not going to call you a, I'm not going to call you a dickhead, but I remember being very pissed that because that was like the first bitter cold I missed in like 10 years or something like that, or yeah. like maybe eight years. I happened to miss yeah. that one. And then afterwards I found out that I was the last one. I was like, yeah. no. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't I, take yeah. anything. I, I don't I, take anything on it. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it too is, but, but also that, you know, that was, that was the time when everyone's kind of transitioning into where we are now is that, you know, I'll catch the next one. I'll do the next one. And, you know, we, we talked about it ever so briefly as I, you know, I think the magic of this one was I, I didn't leave that as a possibility for anybody. Um, you, you, you weren't going to plan on catching the next one. Like you had to make this one happen. Um, and that 
was really, you know, kind of, I think what made this year so special. Mm -hmm. I think that's a perfect segue to talk about what it is that motivated you to bring this event back. Um, So after, and first of all, 13, the first 13 events, uh, that's something that's not easy to do. Uh, Running a contest is very difficult. There's a lot of moving parts. Um, And so while some may have been upset, I would just say thank you for producing those 13 (laughs) events just to begin with, because that in and of itself is a very difficult thing. This is coming from someone who's done three events. And then I was just like, holy shit, this is too much. But um, so um, was there, I'm sure you had people calling you after 2013, oh, come on, you got to do it again. Or like the random sporadic messages with the push. Mm-hmm. But what what solidified you uh, moving forward and trying to get this one going in this past year? Well, so I, you know, I think it was a combination of a couple of things. Um, you know, the... The obviously the distance that everybody had during COVID, the separation, you know, winter clash being canceled, not having, um, you know, those events to bring everybody together. Um, you know, I think COVID made it so much more obvious to me that there just weren't a lot of events like this to start with. Um, so, you know, I, I, I felt like there was a place for it. Um, but beyond that, the the only thing that really, um, before talking to Modern, before having conversations with anybody, um, I reached out to the past winners. Um, because for me, I think the only way that I wanted to make it happen is if we could do something different, if we could do something exciting, and we could do something that kind of honored the history of the event. Um, and the awesome list of winners that we have, um, that are all insanely relevant today, like you, Billy, Sean, uh, Roscoe, Cadeau, CJ, uh, we didn't get Bailey, but, uh, you know, the Montre, everybody is so relevant today. Um, and I, I, I think that's, that's where it really started was, you know, talking to um, Broscow and, you know, getting some of those people that don't seem to be really excited about anything, excited about the idea of having the event again, really kind of pushed it, helped push it forward. Um, and then, you know, kind of having the conversation with Modern, they were down immediately. Um, you know, it was funny visiting there over Thanksgiving. Our planning meeting was like a half an hour. You know, it's it's not we've done it before. We knew what we were doing. We're going to do it again. So it really kind of all clicked into place, but, um, you know, a combination of those different things that I, I just, it, it's, it's a very satisfying feeling, but I just had a feeling that doing this one more time would be special. It would be wanted and it would be attended. Um, and we, we really had that in spades and, you know, that, that really, you know, having that thought and then manifesting it is always um, a lot of fun to kind of see it come together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's uh, certainly as you get older and uh, it's hard to participate so actively in the role of the community. You know, you're a family man, you're, you're a father, you run your own business. And, and with that in and of itself, it's so hard to find time within the day a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, 
I don't have kids and I'm just working and married and with the dogs. And I'm like, where is the, where is the time nowadays? <laughs> like, you know, it's not as carefree as it once was at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's cool that you were able to make that time. Um, and like I said, it really felt like a time machine, like a capsule and such a gift to everyone who was a part of those events from the past because all the familiar faces and I'm not sure if you saw the the edit that um, Sam D'Angelis made of just like the capturing the faces there. And that was, I I thought that was really well presented uh, with with just like the emotional aspect of of what that meant to so many people. So um, that's really cool that you were able to to, to bring that together in such a way again. And thank God that our community has moved past the vertigo days of being banned from hotels and it got to be like this mature event uh for for adults but also for kids too like that were new to experiencing skating and just uh see some new faces like you know lauric picard comes off the top of my head and and some of these like uh, younger people like showing who they are and getting to participate in just a little bit of what we had like uh we're so fortunate to have at that time mm-hmm. yeah well and it, it's funny that you, you yeah i mean i i felt the time machine thing too it is just you know, just seeing more gray, a little bit more pounds, <laughs> like, you know, everybody, you know, if, if it was really a time machine, it'd be great for everybody to go back 10 years and have their like 10 yeah. year younger body. That would be great. Oh yeah, too. that'd be nice. Yeah. Man, was, you know, there sick. was so many comments of being like, holy shit, it's fucking old in here. Like we're just <laughs> all old and crusty now. So it was really, it was a time machine, but yeah, just kind of everybody grasping at their youth. But um, and then also, yeah, Sam and I had actually had a discussion about, um, you know, kind of what he wanted to do at the event before the event had even kind of kicked off. Um, and, you know, I had thrown out to him that uh, BMAG was kind of doing a photo booth and he kind of took that as way, like, wait, I can do kind of a video portraits of everybody and kind of put that together. And we were like, done, done. Because um, the, the other thing, too, is you know, at, with, uh, career wise, everybody behind a video camera, um, which is, this is going to be like a very two-sided statement. Um, so many people that are, you know, very extended in their video careers, like Sam, um, like I, like a lot of other people, you know, he really wanted to do something different rather than just be on the course chasing who was ever skating the entire time. He kind of wanted to put his own thumbprint on something from the event. And that's what he ended up doing. Fucking beautiful. So glad he did that. Um, but on the other hand, people like Dave Payne, I don't know what he was on chasing everybody on the course, the entire same thing with Chris Edwards live on the, like on the floor, like two of the oldest godfathers in our industry were exerting the most amount of energy during the entire contest. I, that was, that was like magical and bizarre at the same time. I agree. And and it, and it was cool to see as like the closer we got to the event, um, that Dave was posting, oh, he's going to the event. It just like kept on adding and building to the event. <laughs> and Chris has been uh, very actively like big on like all these events. He goes to the events, he's live streaming, he's running all over the place. Yeah. And and I think that's a part of the thing that made it for me feel like a time machine. Like, wow, like even there's Dave, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, things have not changed. Here we go. Um, 
and and you know director brazil was there who was like such a big part of like the former events as well yeah and yeah, just yeah just all of that was so uh was really special mm-hmm. um in a in a little bit we're going to open it up for for questions for our for our live yeah. guests watching and, and perhaps we have some on patreon as well yeah but um the the champions run which was really special what 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 ignited that uh what inspired that uh i mean first and foremost i mean i had an idea of like how could i blind billy in a way that (laughs) didn't you know it it wasn't ultimately like super suspicious but definitely like hinder your sight for the rest of your life the spotlight Um, was on my list of things to talk about too specifically the spotlight (laughs) I gotta say this, Daniel. I was um, like knowing that I was gonna have like a solo thing for a minute there. Like we can we can blame it on the light. The light definitely came, I should have came from the other direction. But I was like, my, uh, to quote Eminem, my palms were sweaty, um, and I was like really nervous to to be have that kind of platform as someone who really is like you know. I'm involved in skating heavy, but not as like a, a traditional pro as I once was. And I, I was like, wow, this is like a super high anxiety moment. I was talking yeah. with Alex and also Sean. And he was like, they, 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 I think they were feeling the same way. Alex like, this is, this is a lot. So yeah, I think although it was like a, high, like a high anxiety and a high stress moment, it was really special to also like have that accolade and to have that, mm-hmm. um, that platform and, that respect given for like the past events and also to like for the people watching like special for them as well. So I thought that was cool. Well, yeah. And I mean, so if you look at the list of champions, you have complete and total showman and just hams in front of the crowd on one end of the spectrum, like Montre. And I think Kudo really kind of eats that up. And then you have on the other end of the spectrum, you have like Alex, Sean, yourself that are like, what the fuck is happening? I I want to die and curl up into a ball. So, you know, for me, it was really, you know, it was kind of like you had said, it was trying to figure out a way to do it. And, you know, it's not like we had rehearsals or anything like that. We really just kind of had to wing it once everybody was on the course um you know i had talked a lot with matt and tracy on how to go about it you know the dj was really kind of in tune with everything that was going on um so we really put as much thought and care and work um as we possibly could into it and then just kind of let it unfold from there the the spotlights were a little bit last minute um but once i found out i could rent them and how powerful they were um, from the same company that was bringing the stuff from the trade show, I was like, I'm going to fucking make it work um, because it's going to elevate everything. Also, the park's lights, they're LED now, so we could just flip them on and off. Um, it wasn't going to be one of those things, so we turn them off, and then 20 minutes later, the lights will be back up. Um, so just kind of all those things kind of ended up coming together that, um, I mean, literally, it was just, you know, it, even if it spooked you, it kind of spooked Alex, it kind of spooked Sean. It was worth it for, you know, that photo of Montre, you know, those moments, you know, there's that uh, Brzezinski in his edit. There's that shot of CJ just backsiding the laid back wall ride underneath the spotlight. 
Um, you know, it was worth it just for those moments. And the intention always was to turn the lights back up and just kind of let you guys have your runs. Um, you know, we, if I had it my way, I would have kind of extended the spotlight part just a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, you know, that was the first thing out of Montre's mouth was like, get that goddamn light out of my eyes. Um, (laughs) as much as a, you know, a showman as he is. Yeah. It's a little distracting and it was a bummer. We couldn't, um, you know, in figure skating or anything that, um, utilizes that sort of presentation, they're much higher up. So, you know, we got them up as high as we could, but still, you know, we could only mitigate so much, but, um, yeah, yeah, I, I think it really kind of separated things um, from the rest of the event, um, gave it that different look just for those little brief moments of everybody's first runs. And that was really the entire intention of it. Um, you know, we utilized them again to announce the winner. But um, yeah, you see the footage and it jumps out. Um, and for me, it's kind of one of those things that's worth the work. It's w- worth putting in the effort. Um, because who knows, maybe somebody else will take it a step further in the future. Um, anybody kind of doing uh, a contest with lines and runs, maybe there's a, another way to do the spotlight in the future that's more of a, a show. So, yeah, that, that, that was really kind of where it all came together. But then also just to answer your further question was that, you know, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to do something special. And I really wanted to give a moment for all of those past winners to, to shine, to take a bow, um, to really get the kind of praise and in-person praise that's not just, you know, likes, views, reels, any of that shit, that that, that very much an in-person praise that I wanted to um, shower on all those past champions. Despite a lot of the writers not enjoying it, like Billy, I was going to say that a lot of a lot of the content that came out of it was great. Like the photos were, were well. It was very different too from contests because you haven't seen that in a skating contest. At least I haven't seen that anyway. Uh, it was really cool. And I, uh, they weren't rollerbladers operating the lights, right? Oh no, it was it was was it? Uh, it was Al, Al Delega, Delega and it was oh. my boy uh, Garrett Michelin. Yeah, they they knew what they were doing. Okay. Um, and you know, after Montre, I pinged them both because there was like there's an intensity on the spotlight so they both turned them down all the way but like i said those were uh uh, probably about the strongest besides those crazy outdoor shining batman signal in the the cloud type of spotlights these are about the most powerful indoor theatrical spotlights that you can get so even turned all the way down you know, there's there's just only so much they could do. They were trying to avoid their eyes after the first couple tricks, but you know, we did our best. But it 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 manifested, like you said, in some in some good media, and then we kind of moved on from there. Yeah, we need uh, sunglasses for the riders next time. I think that'll be cool. Yeah. That, that'll make even cooler looking photos, actually. In that, that sense, would be cool. um, I just want to say that we're talking about a lot of stuff here. I have references to a lot of this in the video description. I have. Um, the edit that Video Groove just put out yesterday, that was awesome. I have Sam DeAngelis' edit that Billy talked about. I have um, this edit from Older Blading who provided the awesome content for the intro to this video. That's all linked down below. So definitely check that out, as well as the TV pilot also. Um, uh, with all these things that are going on, we, we talked about a lot, um, like tw- a span of like 20 years through all these contests. Uh, we yeah. have to talk about a little bit of like the highlights or your most memorable moments from Britticles over all these years because there's been so many. We mentioned a lot of them too. Everyone has their own personal, but somebody who has organized it, like what makes you most proud 
from all of these events that you did, the 13, 14 events that you did? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it, I mean, it, I already mentioned, you know, 2010 was really just kind of the peak of everything for me, um, you know, being able to accomplish all of that. It's, it, you know, of course, there's just those, those moments of uh, performance in the contest of, um, you know, just, you know, that front foot of Bailey locking in 2006, um, you know, the, the crowd surrounding Alex when he's just charging, you know, a quarter mile across that park in 08 to hit that 540. Um, you know, just all of those moments were always, you know, so great. Um, but then, you know, f the, the other side of it too is um, barely having room to walk in the trade show area in like nine, 10 and a little bit in 11. Um, you know, those are the, the, it's, it's a blur because yeah, it's a blur, but um, you know, AJ had a photo of just a bed full of cash from one of those events. Um, <laughs> uh, and just knowing, you know, the, the, uh, mechanism that I had created that was benefiting so many of those companies that I loved and respected, you know, that's, that's really just, just as powerful as a pride moment and, a um, everything for me as it was, you know, all of the, the, the high highs of rollerblading throughout everything. Um, but really, you know, other than that, um, I mean, we joke and everything, but really, I think the two things coming away from this year that just really stuck with me was, you know, the champion session that came to be together better than I could have imagined. Um, I really could have just stopped the event at that point. And I would have been happy. Um, nobody else would have been happy, but I would have <laughs> been happy. Um, and the other, the other thing that really kind of stuck with me that I was really surprised about, um, I don't, I don't know why I'm surprised about it, but going into this year, I had a little bit of anxiety that it was going to be those discussions like, yo man, keep it up, keep doing it for the love, keep doing it for the love. And like, yeah, that's fine. But you know, those conversations are very annoying. Um, instead, I, I, it was like a hundred people just walked up to me and said, thank you. Like, you know, shook my hand, gave me a hug and then like walked away. And like, you know, for me, like, I, you know, I love, you know, talking, rollerblading and, you know, interacting with everybody, but I only have so much time. There's only so much of me to go around at the event that, that I, I just, I can't articulate how much I appreciated that, that it was, it's just, it was very, very moving, very unexpected and very, very much appreciated um, from everybody that kind of took the time to do that because, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, it's a, it's a very, as Billy mentioned, it's a very, uh, you know, I don't want to pat myself on the back. It sounds aggrandizing, but it's a very selfless act to do, um, you know, events like this. You're very, you, you, you're, you're putting everything into making sure everybody else enjoys themselves. So um, a thank you is a small thing, but it was, it was wildly appreciated. Dude, we love you, man. You, you done so much <laughs> for the community and we all appreciate you so much. And, Thank you, thank if, you. if everyone in the chat, everyone watch right now, I could give you a hug. I'm sure they would for sure. <laughs> and somehow uh, did not get COVID. So, and you didn't get COVID. <laughs> there you go. Um, 
I know we're gonna move it over to the the live chat and questions and stuff in a minute. There's one more thing I wanted to ask, kind of along the lines we were just talking about, but talking about like highlights and memories and stuff like that. But is there anything behind the scenes at any of the events, at any of the bitter cold events that stands out to you that people might not have known about? Like I know there's a lot of hurdles and struggles with organizing these massive, massive events. Is there anything that happened behind the scenes that like? Like, oh, I, I pissed on this fire before I got anywhere or anything like that that stands out to you that no one knows about? Yeah, I, I mean, nothing super negative that comes to mind. It doesn't have to be negative, uh, just like something that crazy happened behind the scenes maybe that I, no I mean, one knew about. The, I think the thing that I would articulate is the cra- one of the crazier moments for me was, like I mentioned, we, we first started doing all the finances on our own in 2008. And to do that, we literally just were like, hey, moms, who's bringing a kid? Can you run admissions for us? So literally, we just had a small group of mothers um, run admissions for the event, um, all in cash. And at the end, she was like, hey, here's your admissions. Handed me a paper bag full of over $8,000 in cash. And I was like, oh, shit. Um, so then I, I didn't know it was $8,000 at the time cause they just brought in all the money. Um, so we had a premiere after the 08 event, downtown Columbus, Ohio. I was literally in my car counting all of this cash, uh, and then like locked it up and kept it in my car and then like went into the premiere and was like, yo, Alex, I have $8,000 in cash in my car. Can you stop by and pick that up afterwards and then it's uh your problem to deal with um but you know that was really you know behind the scenes kind of um jarring memory that i'm glad we didn't have to experience again was just kind of handling all that cash that you know having a more proper admissions uh front desk and everything at modern really um was preferable to just uh, walking around with that much cash. <laughs> you got you got older and more professional at that point. Yes. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, all right. I feel like we should uh, <laughs> jump into some of these. Are there any Patreon questions, Austin? We have Patreon questions. Oh, yeah, we have Patreon questions. Um, okay. We prioritize the Patreon questions first. We only get to the top three because we have a lot of questions. Al Delega, man. Al Delega, when we have somebody he likes, he really likes them. And he has a billion questions here. But like I I told Al, you know the rules. Only top three go for the show. So let's start it off with uh, first question we have on Patreon from Faction Skate Company, who says, what salary number would get us a Bitter Cold Showdown each year? Benefits? (laughs) Dental? So I I think the the only thing I I... (laughs) <laughs> I have to say the word out loud that rollerblading can't afford it. I, I, my, the business that I started, I've been very fortunate that a lot of the skills that I learned, you know, kind of organizing, keeping everything on track has benefited me very well in the uh, production and commercial arena. Um, that it's, it's, it's just, um, it's, it's not in the cards. And I, hate being the person saying that and delivering that message because I would love to have all the time, energy and resources in the world to do all the things that make me happy. But um, just like everybody else, I kind of got to focus and channel that in on the things that, um, you know, 
benefit me the most and uh, work well the most with uh, my life and family and everything else. So that's completely understandable. We all growing up, and I think you worded that wrong though. Rollblading can't oh, afford it yet. Yes, we're still, we're still optimistic, aren't we? There you go. Optimism, <laughs> optimism, and here's the thing. If rollerblading could afford it, yes, you could do a bitter cold. That'd be fine. If I had the resources, the one thing, even if I, I don't know, if the resources were available, the one thing that I would manifest that I would make happen, MTV Sports and Music Festival downhill course within mm. a city. Not yes. steep, crazy, just a little bit of a slant. Get some shipping containers, get everything out there. So it's really articulated and kind of like runs from the top to the bottom. That's your event. Uh, you know, that that's one thing that I would, you know, the resources for that, that's one thing I would have trouble staying away from. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, but just because mostly too is like that, that's something new, that's something different, that's pushing something, that's, you know, bringing something uh, elevated to rollerblading. Um, you know, bitter cold is great, but somebody else can do bitter cold. Like I said, I'm not special. There's nothing super unique about me. You know, it's not going to have the name bitter cold, but there are people, I refuse to believe that there are not people in this industry that can do a better job than I have. Mm. I know you did a pretty good job, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The torch got to be handed over to somebody. Yeah, it, it, it just it feels like time to me. And I, I'd rather I'd rather put the pressure on other people to really step up and make it happen, because I think in the long run, um, that's going to benefit us all more um, to get more people involved, to get more uh, energy, to get more youth, to get more everything within rollerblading. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Good answer. Uh, second question from our Patreon is from Jeff Metz, who asks, what was your favorite one last time memory. And if you could have changed anything, what would it be? I'm guessing this is all okay. just in reference to the last uh, bitter cold this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that Jesus, that, I mean, th that one last time, you know, is ingrained from the event, like back to, you know, Oh six or Oh five, like that, that was just kind of something that, you know, that happened um, over and over and over again with Ben, you know, it, talk about a showman, um, you know, just pushing and pushing and pushing and wanting that one last try. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, um, God, try Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, I think Ben's 540 kind grind in 06, um, was really the start of that one more time, one more time, one more time um you know manifestation and i think you know that's really where the memory kind of comes from of course he was doing that at other events of course it's been um but i i think that's really kind of where it took root um at bitter cold mm. that's awesome um so like i said before Aldaliga came up with like seven questions or something like that in the patreon we're only gonna get to one of them it's so hard picking just one but yeah. i'm gonna go with this one who uh, Aldelega asks, says, do you think it's that... It's turning into the uh, Aldelega Jump Street podcast right now. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> we we got to get a, a guest host. A guest host, Aldelega. <laughs> um, Al says, what types... Oh, hold on. 
I got to zoom in for this one. Um, do you think that the few larger Blade events that we have left in the U.S., like Blading Cup, the New York City contest, Frankie's contest, as well as this event, achieve much in promotion for the sport, hopefully to spur some sort of participation growth, a.k.a. save rollerblading? Or are they, to be harshly realistic, now more of an inward-facing fan service type of thing? Yeah, I think that's that's a good question because yeah, like you know, like we talked about, I think the um, the mentality for outward facing blade events and bringing people into the sport, I think especially during COVID, has changed so much for all of us um, because you know b- before COVID, it's you know it's every fucking whack idea you can possibly think of that will bring people into rollerblading when really it just was a pandemic <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that is so bizarre. Um, but no, I, I think, uh, you know, Bashi Pope, Frankie Invitational, Blading Cup, um, you know, Blading Cup has a larger reach um, into quads and kind of into the city. But I do think they are geared more towards us inside rollerblading. Uh, a manifestation of the culture, um, bringing people together that are core, that um, really, you know, this is their entire life. This is what they've done forever. And they want to share that with other people. Um, You know, I think one of the lessons I learned in doing bitter cold, you know, it's not a facility, a space or anything to accommodate a a purely general audience um i don't think they would enjoy it um you know i think there's video presentations that you can make of the contest that can expand and be seen by a lot of other people but i don't think a lot of people want to sit through it in that type of space so yeah i think i think those contests are mostly geared towards us for the core Mm -hmm. yeah that's like what uh they tried doing a winter clash. It was, even though it was indoors in the arena one year, they tried opening it to the public, but still didn't really hit the mark like they planned on it. So it is tough. Well, and, and, and hats off to Yo-Yo and winter clash for doing that because it's one of those like, what ifs that probably would have still been a, what if mm-hmm. without them doing that. And, you know, even, you know, in failure, that's, that's some of the stuff we can learn the most. And, you know, they're, I mean, it sucks that they failed doing that, but it, it taught us a lot that, you know, it can't necessarily translate in the middle of Berlin in the city center. People don't just want to walk in and watch rollerblading. Yeah. We're a very niche sport. People got to understand yeah. that too. <laughs> uh, okay. So we're going to move on to our super chat questions. Like we say, every episode, we split our super yeah. chats with our guests. If you want to support Daniel super chat us, or if you want uh, your question prioritized today, uh, drop a super chat question as well. But we're going to move it on to our first super chat question from older bleeding, who was uh, the provider of that awesome footage in the intro of this episode, yeah. who asked uh, with your experience, what are the key tips? Maybe top three, you would want somebody to know who is trying to get their own blade comps off the ground. Or yes. to grow their existing events. Fuck I, yes. Yes. I had this question this, too, but I wanted to leave this for the super chats. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, I mean, I have way more than three, but I can just start rambling and then, you know, shut up when I lose my voice is like, is be on time. Like, you know, rollerblade time is garbage. Like be on time because that coalesces with the expectations that you've given 
the crowd that you've given everybody beforehand, just be on time. And you have elevated yourself beyond a lot of other people in the industry and other contests, number one. Number two, just every single avenue of website, social media presence, everything, do it all and do it often. Um, solidify a website, put all of the information in the website, continually look at that website and add anything else. Um, you know, I'll keep it updated. Same thing with social media that, you know, that was really kind of new for me this year is Instagram and the way um, that really kind of took off is once I kind of started announcing writers, holy shit, that blew up. Um, that, you know, that really, you know, kept going. I, you know, I thought I was doing something cool with um, the sponsor announcements, but, you know, just a photo in the writer's name that really kind of took off. Um, so, and yeah, I, I think the third event is copy. The, the third piece of advice is copy other events, do what other people have done successfully. Um, you know, this isn't, you, you, it's not plagiarism or anything like that. Just do what other people have done. And then over the course of that, you'll find new ways, you'll find your own voice, you'll find ways to improve on what other people have done. Love that. See what works. Yeah. Love that. Um, you want to take the next we one? We have right? another super chat question from uh, Xander. But before that, we have a super chat. Just shout out from Sean Michelson. He said, much love, DK, for putting so much blood, pride, and truth into BC BCSD to truly create something with universal appeal. You showed so many bladers that creating something beautiful out of practically nothing is possible. That's a, a very tricky comment from Sean because he shouted out the two videos that I've, two of the videos I've made. So, in the blood, pride, and true, and universal oh, yeah. appeal. <laughs> Um, Xander Williams comes with a fun question. He says, Daniel, what's your death row meal? <laughs> uh, Jesus. I, it, yeah, I mean, it always depends, but lately I, I've felt like a 12 year old and I've just been eating way too many freaking chicken fingers. It's the dumbest, <laughs> stupidest thing on the planet, but the best you know, it's, it's Yeah. I, there's there's specifically a theater nearby and you go to the movies and get some chicken fingers and I've just had some stupid obsession with chicken fingers, chicken sandwich. Nice. That's an interesting Call me one. cliche. Call me a 12-year-old. That's where my head's at right now. We'll blame it on fatherhood. That's a little yes. quick and easy. <laughs> yeah. uh, Michael Fromling had a super chat also, but it's the same one that um, Older Blading came up with. But thank you, Michael Fromling, for the uh, super chat asking also about uh, tips on starting their own contest and events. So uh, thank you, Michael, for that super chat. And um, I guess Clark just threw a super chat in here saying, uh, rollerblading might not be able to afford it, but I can. And it won't let me highlight this thing. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so well, thank you, Clark, I mean, for I, donating for it. I, I can, you know, I can add to that ever so, ever so briefly. Um, and, you know, kind of, you know, trying to start something because I, I, I feel like, you know, starting from th something from scratch can feel so daunting. Um, and I think part of um, what I think anybody that wants to do something like Bitter Cold, wants to do something like an event, needs to consider and needs to be aware of is that um, 
it's not necessarily going to all come together the first time you do it. I think, you know, in starting an event, you need to be prepared to do it for two or three years. That's your starting an event. And I, I think that's the mentality that so many people need to uh, latch on to because, you know, the first time you're going to have the event, you're not going to have any photos or video of the event. So that's one of the things that really builds momentum with any sort of event is the collection of uh, people performing at the event venue during the event. And you need to have a couple years under your belt to have that together and to be able to weaponize and utilize that in reels and social media and all those assets. Um, so I, you know, I think that's another piece of advice is, you know, you can't just dip your toe in it and be like, ah, I wasn't as much as I thought. So move on. You just need to do it and do it again and do it again, at least at the very least, then you know, whether you have something, you know, whether you can move forward with it, you know, you can grow it. Um, but before then, I just, I just don't think there's any way to really know. That's a great point. I never thought about it like that. Yeah. It's, it's also good to consider, uh, we're so used to like social media and how the world works in this current era that you did most of this before all of that mm -hmm. yeah. very organically. It's very, it's very interesting to think about. Yeah. I, uh, uh, sequence message board, shout out to law. Oh my God. Very, very early in the event. Um, I, I, I didn't get a chance to talk to him at the event. I pinged him an email afterwards and I was like, actually the first couple of years, all promotions were via the sequence message board. Um, and he sent me like a way back time machine link of like a 2003 post. <laughs> that that was sick. Absurd to think about that, that, that was our social media then was rollerblade message boards. Boomer Amazing. talk right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Embarrassing. Well, we got uh, two more questions in the live chat and then we'll let you go. Again, thank you so much for your time. Very much appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about this and hopefully to inspire someone to pick up where you left off uh, in some yeah, sort of yeah. way to contribute I mean, to the community. I, I hope somebody sees this as uh, two hours of inspiration and not two hours of us just kind of rambling on about the past and you know, us being old and other responsibilities and all that sort of stuff, because I mean, really it's, it's, it's fucking amazing to see, you know, something like that all come together. And, you know, this, like I've said over and over and over, so grateful I did it this year and so grateful I'm only doing it once. So, yeah. it, you know, it's kind of a both sides of the coin for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Ronnie Rascal says, uh, where did the sledgehammer come from? Oh, uh, that's easy. Uh, owner of Vertigo, Mark Yu. Um, he was like, hey, why, like, why, why do, uh, he kind of put two and two together that, you know, rollerbladers in the building are calling large tricks hammers. So he was like, why don't I get a sledgehammer and we'll get it painted? Um, yeah, it really kind of, it came from him. And then we, you know, held on to the tradition. So it didn't, it didn't start until 2006. So Bailey, got the first hammer. Um, yeah, Bailey got the first hammer and it survived his uh, house fire. I don't know if anybody saw that photo, but um, he it was one of the things that uh, survived uh, his house fire. 
Dude, that's awesome. I, I never yeah. knew. I never even thought the story behind that too. But just for context, people who don't know, the winner of the bitter cold gets a huge, huge hammer. <laughs> so that's why uh, the question came up. But yeah, I never knew that about yeah. Bailey's hammer. That is. And uh, it's even more enjoyable when, uh, uh, you know, CJ Julian, you know, people internationally get a huge sledge, sledgehammer. Like you're not flying back with that. Um, so <laughs> usually we had to. The, you know, ship it or uh, the park would ship it or stuff like that. So, you know, that was part of the fun of it, too, is, um, you know, it's it's a bitch to fly with. And, you know, that was part of our fun, too. So <laughs> very cool. And we'll take this as the last question. I think it's a good one to end off on, even though I think we touched on it. We haven't gotten into specifics. Uh, Daniel, what is your favorite trick out of all the Bitter Cold Showdowns? Uh, favorite winning trick? Is this Sorry. Garani? This is Ronnie Rascal. Yep. Hmm. I think, um, you know, I think for me, if I had to pick a favorite, um, because of what it represented and what it kind of did for the event kind of afterwards, um, Alex's 540 at the flow is so close. Um, Halfies, you know, 540 Soyal at 2010 that was just massive is also really close. Um, but I, I don't think anything can compare to, you know, Montre's Misty Flip in 09. Um, I just, you know, is it the most technical trick? Is it, you know, is it, it, it was, it was just such a manifestation of, you know, the success and the excitement and seeing somebody new like Montre at the time step up and just outperform everybody and outshine everybody. Um, and plus the photo, yeah, um, Jeremy Stevenson's photo of it is just mm -hmm. absolutely iconic. Um, I, I think that's the one that just really, really kind of steps out for me is it, it was, it, it just, it was a, everything is kind of combined into that moment. Um, and it was really, it was also one of the events where one of the few events where you could point to a singular trick that was from the winner. Um, we have so many other events where so much stuff goes down, um, that there's great photos from other competitors that were, you know, not even on the podium that that was just kind of the peak and the pinnacle at that year. And that that's one that just really sticks with me. Love that. I love that answer. Um, again, thank you for your time. Do you yeah. have any last shout outs or words of wisdom before we completely uh, let you go? I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what else I could add. I'm, I'm surprised we've, you know, kind of rehashed and gone through everything this much. But, you know, I, I, I think the one thing I want to end with is that um, if you are interested and you have the enthusiasm to do something like Bitter Cold, I am a resource, like reach out to me directly, uh, email, send me an Instagram message or something. I will find it. I, I can give you any and all, all advice that I, I can possibly give you. Like, I'm very sincere about that. I'm not just kind of like, you know, throwing it out there for no reason. It's, it's what I want to mention. And I would be happy to impart and spew all of the information, all of the knowledge I've gained over the years 
um, to see somebody else kind of take that and somebody else build that further. Um, nothing would make me happier. And I'm very sincere in um, offering that advice to anybody that wants it. Damn, free online coaching from the man himself, <laughs> Daniel Kinney. I'll do a masterclass. I was about to say, we got to do a TED talk with you or something. <laughs> Dude, Daniel, thanks for coming on. This has been awesome. Thank yeah, you everybody in the live chat. Hell yeah. Thank you everybody in the live chat for coming. Daniel, I can, I said it before, the whole industry is so grateful that we have you here, that you created this event that's lasted the span of 20 something years that we all have these memories from that we'll carry on for the rest of our lives. We're all so grateful for that. So I just wanted to say, I, I, I appreciate it, Austin. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me a little bit, a different topic than usual. Yes. No, uh, I, I love it. But yeah, hopefully uh, different content for your, everybody uh, tune into jump street. This is one of my, my favorites so far. And, um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Even though bitter is not happening, uh, as of now, <laughs> I hope to still see you in the future somewhere and, uh, we yeah. catch up again. Cause it was great seeing you again, but thank you to Absolutely. blank for sponsoring this episode again. Everyone check out the new blank team skate and I guess we'll see you all in the next one. Later everybody.